Thanks for listening to the Table Church Sermon Podcast. We're in a series called Kingdom Skills, Getting Good at Knowing God. And in this sermon series, we discuss the skills we need to develop for life in God's kingdom. That's a life that can hear God's voice and do God's will, and it is exactly the kind of life you were made for. Everything worth doing takes practice, and following Jesus is no different. So let's dig in and sharpen our kingdom skills together. Be sure to check us out at tablechurchdsm.org, and please never be afraid to reach out. Thanks, and enjoy this week's teaching. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, Table Church. It's so good to be with you again. We were here a couple years ago, but it feels um, so good to be back. Um, I know you guys get to be with Phil and Natalie every week, but we love them. They're such just great human beings. It's not like the best thing ever to be a good human. Um, Phil and Natalie, they're such good people. They carry such an authority and just confidence as they, I hope you, you sense that and you know what a gift you have, both in Phil and Natalie and your leadership here. They're just amazing. So we are just so privileged and gifted. It's such a gift for us to be able to partner with you guys and be part of your family here. We love you. We love Table Church so much. It was so awesome to have a few people come this past summer. And I can't wait to see every other person come to <laughs> Truly, though, we, we love you guys. And, you know, the longer that I'm in this, the more I feel just a, a draw and a, and a desire to be in it with people. Um, not just have partnership where it's like, yep, we love each other, we do this thing, but to really be, like, knitted together and doing this thing. Um, I believe that the church is called to transform our cities. And so we have developed... You know, since Table has planted their feet in this city, just a heart for this city. And we want to see Des Moines just radically transformed by the love of God. Just like we want to see Choma, where we're from, radically transformed by the love of God. So come, be with us. It is maybe lofty, but um, we really would love to see every person from this church come and, and step foot in, in Choma and do this together with us. Um, Yes, Phil introduced me. Let me show you a few pictures. I think I can kind of see if I stand here. Yes, a few things just briefly about who we are. We're not going to talk too much about us because you got to come see us to really learn a lot more. But um, let me give you a brief overview of who we are. We are poetess. This is not a real word. It's not a word in Tonga, which is the language we speak in Choma. Um, it's just a made-up word. And it is two words, poema and justice, smished together. Smished. It's not a word either. <laughs> funny. Um, yes, poema is another word for masterpiece or workmanship, which you find in Ephesians 2.10. So we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which we believe is this, this biblical justice or this restoring all things to the way God intended. So we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We are his poema, created to do good works, is how we get our name, Poetis. Um, we... Yes, maybe there's a picture of our family. There we are. Isn't that a nice, cute photo? Yes, so fun. Um, we've been there for about 10 years, and, well, I've been there for about 10 years. Our children obviously haven't, and John's been there for about five full-time, six full-time. Um, this is our wild, crazy team of 29, like, staff members exactly, but we have a much bigger just volunteer family and community of people who are going after the city together. Um, you can see there's a lot of different people um, on that team, and we absolutely love team. We love family. We believe that the kingdom is expressed in family. Um, you can't do church without being a family and expressing unity and oneness, because that's 
That is the church. That is God's intention. He, his whole plan to redeem the world is to redeem us into his family. So we actually can't be a demonstration of his church without really tapping into what it's like to be a community and a family. So we pursue family hard, friendship hard. Um, yes, I'm sorry, the property was up there. You can put it back up. This is our, yes, thanks guys. You guys are doing awesome. This is our property. It looks interesting from the top. But we have about 40 acres over in Choma. Um, about a quarter of that is developed and the rest we have a lot of dreams for. If you come, you'll hear about all of them. Okay, I'll stop with the plugging for coming, but really, we'd love for you to come and spend some time with us in Choma. So you're invited, you're wanted, um, and we'd love to continue pursuing this mission together. All right, so that's a little bit about, <clears throat> about us, excuse me. We do a lot of things in terms of community transformation, poverty alleviation, of course. We live in a, a poor community, and we want to see it transformed in every way. But our strategy is not really any good program, it's the gospel. We believe the gospel's enough, we believe Jesus is enough, and we're seeing it happen. Um, knowing God, knowing Jesus, and walking with him, it's changing things in every area of life. It doesn't just change our spirituality, it changes our life, it changes our relationships, and our family, and our dreams, and our vision, and how we spend our money. It changes everything, because he has vision for everything, he cares about everything. And it's been easy for us, I think, as the church to separate spirituality and the rest of life. But God's like created it all, didn't he? He's the creator. If we really believe he created everything, then we have to believe that he has vision for everything and he has redemption for everything and he has a plan for everything. And so we believe that Jesus himself is the only strategy we need. If we come and encounter the reality of the man Jesus, then everything will change. So that's what we're after in Choma. We create platforms whatever way we can to see people actually experience the reality of Jesus, not the church, not um, Christianity, but Jesus himself, because he is better than anything we could ever imagine. Even this morning as we're worshiping, I'm like, the gospel, did you hear the gospel in that song, All Hail King Jesus? The gospel, there's nothing like it. Every time I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we get to be in this. Thank you that I get to know him. Thank you that he defeated death and I get to live with hope that is everlasting and everlasting to everlasting, that there is, no, there is no end. There is no death. I get to be with God forever. It's just the gospel is incredible, and I'm so thankful for it. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about today. But that's our vision, is to see people intersect with the reality of Jesus and the truth of the gospel because it changes us every single time we hear it. All right, now, what am I going to talk about today? I want to talk about something that the Lord has laid on my heart um, for this morning, but something that he's been cultivating in me since I met him um, 11 years ago or so. I'm not very old in the faith, but when I actually met Jesus and I tasted the reality of his goodness, I said it was the easiest yes of my life. And if following Jesus hasn't been an easy yes, then I would argue maybe you haven't met him yet. Because when you actually taste and see the goodness of this man, everything else is pale in comparison. Um, and so I want to share a little bit this morning about just my journey of depending on the Lord, of in every moment coming to know him, of maturing in faith that looks a lot different than I thought. Something, <clears throat> excuse me, do not, <clears throat> okay, it wasn't nice in the microphone, but it was very helpful for me. Okay, so. Um, you know, the kingdom is upside down. It's a flip-flop. I don't know whatever word you, you like in that, but this upside-down kingdom is so different 
than what we imagine it to be. And so I want to talk about this dependency that is maturity today. Um, that when we grow up, we become more dependent on the Lord. You know, it's, it's actually opposite of what we think when we think of maturity. We think of maturity as this, oh, I need less now because I've grown. I am, you know, I'm older. I've got this. But actually in the kingdom, that's backwards of how it works. Life, life right now, life always is intense. It's hard. There's things in life that, that are difficult. Um, no matter what season or what phase of life you're in, or what culture or what society, things can be intense. And I think that's a good word for today. What's today? Something, September 2022. Life's intense, isn't it? There's a lot of intense things that are happening. But Jesus didn't come to bring peace to this intensity. He came to bring a revolution. He actually came to revolutionize the world. That was what he came for. It wasn't to bring peace and make things feel good. He actually came to bring a bit of a revolution. And he did it through radical, invitational love. Right? He said, "Come, I love you. Come and follow me. And that was enough. It was enough 2,000 years ago. It was enough at the beginning of time. And it's enough today. We just need to lean in a little bit more and depend on him and say, God, what, what does this look like for you? What is your heart right now today? What are you saying? What are you doing? What are you speaking? Because the only way we're actually going to revolutionize the world to look like the kingdom of God is if... We depend on him, not just for survival, not just to get by, but to thrive. You know, Jesus actually, he interacts with, he intersects with our lives, not our spirituality. He, he impacts everything in our life, our emotional health, our mind, the thoughts in our mind, the cycles of thinking that we go through, our relationships, our families, right? He, he actually impacts everything in our life. He gives us a sound mind. He brings peace. But this comes from this continual transforming of our mind that is connected to this constant dependence on the Father. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Learn from me, and I'll give you rest. This learn from me wasn't a learn from me and then move on. Yep, okay, you learned, great. No, his learn from me is learn from me. Continue to learn from me. Not just once. We actually have things that we need to learn. This is, a, this is a scripture I think many of us know, and this is a scripture that, that God stamped over my life this last year. And I've read that scripture so many times, like, oh, he's going to give me a rest. Thank you. I come to Jesus, I get rest. But this is what he's been saying. Learn from me. You have to change things. Things have to, when you learn something, you learn something new, right? We don't learn things we already know. We learn new things. And so there's this, Yes, rest will come and peace comes, but it's through learning to reorient our lives a little bit. So he says, come to me and learn from me. And what did Jesus model in his life? He modeled dependency on the Father. In every moment, in every step of his life, he modeled dependency. We read it in chapter John. He talks about it. John, did I say chapter John? Chapter John. John chapter 5. He says to us, he, he uses words actually to, to describe this. A lot of Jesus' teaching is words, yes, but it's stories and parables because he knows the human heart, of course. Um, but this time he actually speaks directly to it, so we have to tune in. He says this, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. 
and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. He says, I do nothing except for what I see my father do. I don't do it on my own will, but I'm watching, and I'm learning, and I'm doing what my father says to do. He says this, but then we also witness this in the scripture. We witness it in the way Jesus walked, and the way he talked, and the way he ministered, and what he did. It was this dependency on the father. When Jesus walked around in life, I have to believe that what he was really just doing is everything he, he, he bumped into that was not how it was in his father house, father's house, he was like, ooh, let me bring that one back into alignment with God, how God intended it. Oh, there's sickness. It doesn't look like this in my father's house. Oh, there's oppression. It doesn't look like this in my father's house. So all he was doing, all he was doing, all that he was doing was radically bringing things back into alignment with what it looked like in his father's house. And where did he learn that? He learned it from his father. He says, my work is to, to live off of every, or I live off of every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? So he's saying, I am living and working and ministering from this constant, unending pursuit of what my father is saying and what my father is doing. He was fully dependent on God. Jesus rewrote what happened in the garden. In the garden, Adam and Eve said, I'm not going to depend on him. I actually want to make my own choices. I can be like God. I can know good from evil. Great. Let me do that. Let me put that on me. And Jesus said, no, let me actually crush the sin of selfishness through his life. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. In every moment of his life, he didn't choose his own will. He chose the Father's. This is the way he lived his life. This is the example. This is what we get to learn from him. This is, this is what I think actually makes the Trinity one. That, that Jesus chose to depend on the Father. He says, I love you and I want to be one with you, so I'm going to choose you every time. This is oneness in the Trinity. It's not that somehow magically they become this one, right? They say, no, I ascribe to what you say, and I'm in every single moment of my life. It was Jesus' honor to depend on God, not, a, not his shame. You know, but I think we somehow think that we will, as we mature in our faith, that we're going to outgrow our need for the Lord. Just like um, how on earth, when your kid grows up, they grow out of their household, right? And they grow out of being a child. I mean, they're always a child, but they come out of the authority of their parents while always honoring their parents, coming out of the authority of their parents' household. But that's actually not how it looks like in the kingdom of God. God gives us houses to live in so that we know what it's like to be a child because we will always be a child of God. That's one of our identities that we are going to carry through all of eternity. We're not going to outgrow it. We're not going to grow out of it or get too big to be like, I'm not your kid anymore. God's like, I need you to know what it's like to be a child in my house, to be a child in a house so we can understand what it's like to be a child. When, um, when Ezra was born, our firstborn, she's two and a half. And when she was born, I was listening to a, a podcast, a teacher who was speaking on when she became a parent. She said, the Lord spoke to her when... Um, your kids are going to outgrow their need for you, but they're never going to outgrow their need for the Lord. And so that has just stuck with me. And I'm like, man, if I can teach my kids every day of their life to know the voice of the Lord, to know how to depend on God, I've done it. That's all I need to do because God is good. And he's, a, he's been a dad for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He's the best dad, right? And if I can point her and I can point all of our kids, and I can point all of our kids that we minister to and love on, if we can teach them how to hear the voice of the Lord. I didn't know God's voice as a child, but if I can, 
if I can deposit that into them, teach them what he sounds like, what his heart beats for, who he is, how he speaks, if I can deposit those things, if I can give our kids access to the Father, then that's all I can do as a parent. Because they're going to outgrow their need for me, but they're never going to outgrow their, their childhood as a child of God. And this isn't how it works with him, right? We don't grow out, we don't mature out of our identity as a kid. We mature into our identity as a kid. And as Jesus modeled this for us, because he's never going to grow out of being God's son, he doesn't want to, why should we? And what this looks like, I believe, is how do we learn to depend on the Lord? How do we actually learn to lean in to him as our father and learn to depend on him in everything? How do we mature into this dependency, not a shame? It's not our shame to depend on the Lord. We are not, um, we are not staying immature if we keep needing him. Right. One of the cycles I find myself subconsciously in is this, I will sometimes slide back into performance. This has been a, something I've walked in and been, been fighting against and believing in my identity, right? So I'll come into this agreement with the Lord. Yes, God, I'm chosen. I'm set apart. I'm loved. I can't earn your love. I can't prove it to you. You love me more than you could, I could ever do anything. No matter what I do for the rest of my life, if I were to stand here forever and do nothing else, he's not going to love me less. I can't make him love me more, right? This is my identity. It's who I am. I'm his beloved. I'm his child. And as a parent, I, I know that now. I, I didn't have a revelation of the father's heart until I, had, I became a parent. And now I'm like, wow, is that how my parents feel? Is that how God feels about me? Right? I can't do anything to change how he feels. Okay, so that is something that I, I'll get it and I'll be like, yes, thank you, Lord, for, for this truth. Months later, right, I go by and I'm like sliding back into like proving it and earning it. And early on in my walk with the Lord, I'd be like, Abby, get it together. You already figured that out. Why are you, why are you dealing with this? But as I grow, the Lord's like, no, just come back. And I'm, it's quicker than I'm coming back. And I'm saying, oh, hey, I'm, I'm in this again. God, help me. And then maybe it's two days. Maybe it's three days. Maybe it's a while until I deal. And then I, I notice it again. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, help me. It's his joy to, to teach me and to walk me through this and to realign me. Like, that's what he's like, come back, walk with me. Let me speak to you. Let me move in this, you know? This is, this is true for our mindsets, for our cycles. I don't know what yours are, if it's, if it's body image, if it's comparison, if it's jealousy, if it's bitterness. I don't know what cycles you might get yourself into. But maturity, as we depend on the Lord, is turning back quicker. It's, instead of taking six steps and kicking ourselves for not having gotten over this thing last year because God spoke to us last year, it's quickly turning around again. To, hey, I'm, can you speak into this again? Remind me who I am. Tell me who I am again so I can walk out of that. This works, I mean, this is, this is how it works with sin too. If we get into cycles of sin, the quicker we turn back to the Lord, the quicker we get freedom. And, and that's, what, that's what he wants. He's like, come to me, depend on me. Let me be the one who speaks to you. Let me be the one who reminds you who you are. Because the sooner you remember who you are, the less you're going to walk in that thing. And the less it's going to have a grip on your life, the less it will have a hold on us. This is true in situations, right? When we don't know what to do, we're like, my friend maybe is dealing with something. What do I say? Before I try to do it on my own, we turn back. As I grow and as we mature in the Lord, we quickly go back. God, what is your heart right now? What do you want to say? What do you want to speak into this situation? How do you want to use me? Do you want to use me? Right? It's this constant dependency, God. What are you trying to do? This is this maturity. 
as we grow in Jesus is continue to turn to him quicker. In John chapter 14, I forgot it again. Um, the first time Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, he uses a word to identify him. He uses the word helper. He says, I will, when I leave, I am gonna, God is going to send the helper who will be with you forever. Now, I think this is interesting because he doesn't say this helper will be with you for the rest of your life. He says this helper will help you for, for eternity, forever. And so the sooner we can learn how to lean into this gift, this helper that God has given us, the more we're going to be able to mature and grow in our faith and in Jesus. He knew that we were going to need a lot of help. And he did not say that with shame or condemnation. He said, if you're going to be part of my kingdom, if you're going to be part of what I'm doing, if you're going to know who you are and be able to stand firm in your faith, you're going to need help. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the best, right? Jesus, or the Father first says, what can I possibly do that would be the guest? Well, the best. Let me give you my whole son. I'm going to give you my one and only son. I'm going to send him. I'm going to release him from heaven to go and get you back, to get humanity back to be with me. He's going to pay all of it so that we can be right together again and you can be with me for eternity. That was the first thing he did. But guess what happened when he sent his son? The world did not receive him. The world did not know him. And he said, you know what? Even though we didn't receive him, even though humanity turned away from him and put him on a cross and crucified him, he said, but again, I love you, and I'm going to send you the best. I'm going to send you now my spirit. First I sent my son, now I'm sending my spirit. And so he sends his entire spirit to be with us. We don't have something less than God himself. We get all of God to dwell with us, to be our help. Let us be people. Let me, my prayers, let me be a person who receives that and says, yes, God, help me. Let me not be too proud to need your help when you literally sent the Holy Spirit to help me. You knew I was going to need help, and then you sent me your spirit to dwell in me. What a wild thing this is. Have we ever thought about the reality of God sending the spirit of God to dwell within us? It says, I will make my home with you, and then my joy will be complete. It is God's joy to dwell within us. He wants to be with us. He wants to help us. So as we grow, let us not dismiss this help. Like, oh, I, I matured. I'm good. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Thank you. No, help me, right? Let me be drawn to the helper. Let me be drawn to this one who was sent to help us. It's wild. He sent himself again to be with us. Jesus says it's even better if he goes because the Holy Spirit gets to come. So let us receive the Spirit of God as he is better, that he is actually better than Jesus walking around on planet Earth with us, that we get to have the Spirit who will bring to remembrance everything we need to know. He will give us all truth. He speaks. He's alive. Yeah, amen. Let me be a person. Let us be people who receive the help from the Lord. Yeah, I didn't tell the story the last service, but um, two nights ago, Ezra, again, our two-year-old, she says, she says to me, Mom, I need help to go to sleep. I'm like, okay. Really, she's two, so she's doing all these tactics to get me to stay in the room with her. She says, I need help. And I'm like, okay, I'll stay with you. You know, in my best, I'm like, yes, of course, I'm going to help you. I want to teach you how to do this by yourself, but I will help you like I'm your mom, right? I want to help you. A few seconds later, she says, no, the Holy Spirit can help me. I was like, 
Oh, okay. You're good then. See ya. But he's better, you know? He's better. And she knows the language because I'm, I'm telling her the language. But man, if she can really taste that, that he is actually better because he's better. He's the best helper we can ever dare to ask for. He's better than we can imagine. Let, us, let this be our posture towards him. Help me. You're the best helper. What does it look like for you to help me right now? I want him to be in every moment with me. All right. Um, yeah, I'm just really thankful that I don't have to do this without him. I'm really thankful that I don't have to navigate life without the Spirit of God. I'm thankful that he knows what to say and he knows what to do and he's not putting it on me. He says, we're going to do this thing and I want to do it with you and I'm going to show you how every moment. And that truth, if it doesn't, right, come to me, learn from me, and you will find rest for your soul. If that doesn't give you rest, it's not on me. He's going to show me what to do every moment, whether it's being a mom, whether it's leading our team, whether it's being a wife, whether it's being a friend, whether it's trying to navigate how to be the church right now, whatever it is, he's like, yes, we are going to do this thing. I am going to help you. It's not on you. Okay, I'm in again. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you a story from my early days with Jesus. Um, this is something, this lesson I'm telling you about is something that God has really been founding our relationship on since... 2012. Um, back in my early days as a believer, God met me by revealing himself as real and alive and personal. Those are things that he was like, you need to know that I'm real. You need to know that I'm actually alive. And you need to know that the God of all the ages of the universe is, is attentive to your heart, that he is personal. So in 2012, I came to this crossroads in my life when I was tired of these cycles, I was in the church, but I didn't know Jesus, so there was like cycles of just shame and condemnation that I was living in because I was living however I wanted, but then kind of knew that I shouldn't. So it was like these constant cycles of shame, condemnation, rebellion. So I'm like, what's it matter? You're not even real, God. Okay, so there's all these cycles that are happening. And I said, okay, I'm tired of this. Either, God, you're going to show up and you're going to tell me that you're good and tell me that you're real, or I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. So I gave him six months. I went and did a DTS, a discipleship training school, with YWAM Youth with a Mission in Kona, Hawaii. And during this time, it was like, right, I was putting it on the table and I was like, God, you have six months, do what you want with it, and if you don't show up, I'm done. And he's God. So he was like, great, finally I can do something in this. The first words I heard him speak to my heart, um, he had said a lot of truth, I'd known a lot of truth, but the first time, if you've ever had a revelation of truth, when it strikes you, it changes things. So the first word that I heard him speak to me is, I'm fighting for you. And it was like, oh, I don't have to fight anymore. You're fighting for me. You love me. You're, you're going to win my heart over every day of my life for the rest of my life. The second thing he spoke to me was, your name is Abigail, and it means the Father's joy because you are my joy. And I'm like, what? Me? You know? Not only me, but also me. Right? I get to receive this for myself. He speaks, you know, since then he's spoken a lot of different words that are like truths that are, that are foundational in my walk with him. But back in these early days when he was establishing himself as, as my God and um, the one who loves me, but also creator God, um, yes, I'm, I'm in these questions and I'm doing all this and he reveals himself to me and I'm like, I'm all in. 
And so during this time, like I said, during our DTS, we would spend the first three months in a lecture phase, so you're learning, and you're, we were, I was in Hawaii, so it was like, you know, I'd drink my coffee and eat papaya with the sun rising over the ocean, and it was like 75 degrees, and like perfect. So I'm like, Jesus is awesome. This is great. I'll follow him all the days of my life. So I'm growing, and I'm having one-on-ones with amazing people who are praying for me and pouring into me, and every day is like, what's going to happen today? And um, then we go to Brazil on outreach, which was different, okay? Still hot, but extremely hot. And every night, I always use this comparison, every night before I went to bed, I thought, should I wear socks and protect my feet and sweat to death, or be a little bit cooler and let my ankles get destroyed by mosquitoes? That was the toss-up. I was so uncomfortable. And so we're about 10 weeks in or so, and I was done. I'm an introvert. My I started just complaining, okay? So we were in this house that was really, really small, and there was a lot of us, and you couldn't get out because the city wasn't very safe. And so it was like literally triple padlocked with all these bars, and it was like trapped. So one weekend, we went to like the bush or the village, I don't know what you say in Brazil anymore, the Amazon River, and again, we're in a small space. And so I'm sitting behind like a wall, hiding from everyone, so I felt like I was by myself. So I'm sitting there and I'm just complaining. I'm journaling to the Lord and I'm like, God, this sucks. Why am I here? I want to leave. And I'm just like getting nitty gritty and I'm like, and I just want papaya. And I'm just like being a brat really. And I kid you not, out of, I'm, I'm journaling this. I'm sitting here pretending I'm alone. And out of the blue, this man walks from around a tree with a plastic bag in his hand. And he walks over to me and he sets it down and he walks away. I pick up the bag, and inside is papaya, like seven of them. And I was like, God, right? You love me. I'm not even being nice right now. But you love me, and you're in this with me, and you want me to know that you care. You want me to know that you are a personal God, that you see me, that I'm not alone, and that you actually, he actually wants us to come to him with things, even silly things. Right? Even complaints on our heart. He says, but come to me. Don't complain just to complain. Come to me. Whatever it is that's on your heart, come to me. It's like I have an abundance of papaya. There's no limitation to how much papaya God has or how many things that God wants to speak or the way he wants to reveal himself. Like I am your God and I love you and I want to walk through every bit of life with you. Now, our stories are different, obviously, right? We're not all going to have that exact story, but I think we can have them. These stories of God doing wild things that change our realities and reorient what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus that looks different than the world. Because our lives should look different because we know him. And that's not testing the Lord. That's standing on what is true. The reality that he formed the foundation of creation on. It's his joy for us to depend on him. It's his his joy to enter into our moments, to walk through life with us. And it's, it's our maturity, not our shame, to get to depend on him in every space of life. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for today. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this family. Thank you for what you're doing and your presence in this place, God. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Father, for sending Holy Spirit that you send him to help us, that we are not alone, that we don't have to do any of it alone, that you, that you sent him 
to, to swallow up loneliness forever so that we have partnership in, in life with you, God, with your church. So I just pray over this community, God, that you will just unify this community to be a, a sounding board, a safe place to grow, to know you, to depend on you, and to see you. Yeah, shine your face upon this community, Jesus. Continue to reveal yourself and your goodness and your presence and your voice. Love you, Jesus. Amen.